What's up, people? We finally back in the building. Yes, it's been a minute since we've been with y'all, but the Engage podcast is back, and I know y'all kind of kind of wonder what's going on. No, we did not drop uh, one of our band members. He is not dropped. He just run a little bit late, so he's going to check in with us a little bit later on um, and get caught up in with us. But uh, we're going to do a quick check-in, then we're going to kind of recap some things. But first, you know, Ball, how, you know, what's going on with you, man? What's, what's, what's the latest with you? And then we'll kind of talk about the, the uh, show topics. Yeah, um, I'm chilling right now. Uh, it's good to be back with you. You know, it's, it, it feels like it's been uh, it's been too long since we had a conversation and have been able to connect and just get on here and talk about uh, education and uh, what it's what it's been like um, over the last uh, couple months. Uh, you know, just uh, you know, as as a plug, you know, make sure that you follow us on on Twitter uh, at Engage Podcast. You can also uh, follow us our, our Facebook page and YouTube. Uh, just connect with us, uh, like and share, do all those things so we can get uh, a larger reach and connect more folks to uh, this free PD that we got going on. Uh, but everything has been good, man. It's uh, it, it was a wild ride to finish out the school year. Um, I'm feeling good. Um, been off uh, a few days now, and uh, just excited to get the opportunity to reset, recharge, and come back better than ever uh, next school year. How about you, man? What's been going on? Uh, it, it, it's been a wild ride, you know, finishing up the school year, um, the whole COVID thing, you know, which we'll touch upon a little bit later. But my, my year ended crazy because I was trying to finish up the school year. Um, you know, have still having some kids all virtual and then having some of our kids in the building four days a week and then also trying to get summer school up and running. So um, probably about two weeks before school year ended, um, the summer, person that was going to be the summer school principal had a family situation come up. So they came to me and asked what I, you know, help run summer school uh, this summer. So I was like, yeah, so I kind of jumped in, you know, full force with two weeks to go, kind of got everything up and running. So it was a hectic, you know, whirlwind of a year. And now we're finally wrapping up summer school. So actually Friday's our last day. So I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of wrapping that up and getting about a good, you know, about a month off before I have to be back to the grind for next school year. Um, so, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to it, you know, having the time off. So uh, also, this is kind of really our one year anniversary episode last year we kicked off the show on juneteenth you know so we're still just a couple days removed from juneteenth so uh you know let's talk a little bit just i guess a little bit about you know what, what does juneteenth mean um to you uh what, what do you think compared to last year to this year uh a little bit about that as well so uh what's your thoughts on that you know it was it was definitely interesting to see the uh juneteenth become a national holiday I, you know, I've got mixed feelings about that. You know, I, I, I felt, you know, cause I've, I've known about Juneteenth, you know, not my whole life. We really uh, started celebrating when I was in high school. Um, so, you know, 25 years or so that I've been aware of what, uh, what Juneteenth was all about, you know, June 19th, 1865, General rolls into Galveston, Texas and, and lets the, um, the enslaved people know that, hey, y'all are free. And, uh, you know, just it's, it's, it's always been, um, you know, a, a time for celebration, you know, cookouts, uh, just enjoying, you know, the freedom that we have. And uh, that's how I got connected to Juneteenth as a, as a high schooler within my community. Um, but, you know, it's, it's always, you know, it's, it's always been something special. And uh, to be for the fact that for us to, you know, over one year period, you know, we talked about Juneteenth, you know, celebrating, you know, Black History Month every month of the year uh, this time last year it is great 
for for it to be a national holiday, but at the same time, you know, it was something special for us. I felt like, you know, um, and, uh, and and on the 19th, I was able to to be in Oakland uh, at Lake Merrick for those people that uh, that know uh, the town. And it was just good, you know, because really California, we just opened up really. And so, um, you know, it was always a party down at, uh, at, at Lake Merritt and um, just to see folks with their booths up, being able to enjoy, uh, you know, folks company. Um, it, it's always good to be able to reflect on, you know, the freedoms that we have and, uh, you know, uh, I, I, you know, all the memes that were out on social media, you know, free-ish since 1865, you know, uh, you know, that's, it's so real. It's so real. Um, you know, where we find ourselves uh, today. I mean, you look at the, uh, look at, look at the news and look at, you know, the, the, the rallies that have been happening over the last couple of days around, uh, CRT. I mean, that's another conversation. But you know, the bottom line is, it's uh, it, it's great to to have that uh, celebration and the opportunity to do that uh, recognized uh, on a national level. But that's where I'm at. What about your your thoughts, Doc? Uh, I mean, it, it's crazy how you know the difference a year makes. You remember last year when we kicked off the show on Juneteenth? There was a lot of civil unrest and protests going on around the country. And I went back and kind of looked at that show and looked at some of the notes and things like that from the show. And the one thing that stuck out to me that I remember saying a year ago is after all the buildings is done being burned down and after y'all done marching and doing all that, what is the platform you're going to stand on that's going to really force change? You know, and I feel like a year later, we still have not established that platform you know, even though now Juneteenth is a national holiday, you know, the things that we've been asking for, you know, stop police brutality, police reform, um, you know, reparations, any number of other things that we've asked for, it's kind of got looked by the wayside, you know, voting lynching rights, laws, man. voting rights. You, there's a plethora <laughs> of things that we were asking for. And the one thing that they got out of this, that low, hey, I don't even call it low hanging fruit. I'm talking about fruit, the fruit that's already fell on the ground was let's make Juneteenth a national a federal holiday. You know, and one of the things, one of my homegirls that I was uh, rapping about uh, last week about it, what she said was pretty much, it's like giving a kid a piece of candy to appease them because you don't want to take them to Disney World. Mm. So I'm, I'm gonna give you this candy because, you know, I'm to trick you to come out and make you happy in this moment. But this bigger thing that you're looking for, we ain't trying to talk about that. We ain't trying to really hear for that. So, you know, it and like really, it, is it being, are they making a national holiday to really commercialize it, you know, now mm -hmm. so you can get your free shirts from Walmart, you know, you can get your free shirts off of Amazon and things like that there. Um, because Juneteenth has been celebrated by black people for decades, you know, so it's not something new for us, you know, and it's almost one of those things is like, do we need to invite everybody to the cookout? Do everybody got, got to come to the cookout? Nope. You know, why couldn't this just be a, like, we, we didn't even ask for Juneteenth to be a holiday. Wasn't nobody out there protesting, marching about nothing about that. So that's kind of how I feel about it. It's just the difference a year make that all the stuff that we, you know, asked for, protested for, you know, they weren't trying to hear none of that. They try to spin it in a negative way. And the one thing that I really, uh, one of the, the, the memes that I've seen that really resonated with me was with me was, you want to make Juneteenth a national holiday, but yet you want to, um, you want to ban the teaching of why it is a holiday. You know, mm. so how does that yeah, even make sense at the end of the day? You know, right. technically right now, and I think, I think they say like in 15 states, you can't even teach CRT. So it, it's, it's crazy how things have, have changed around in that quick year, though. And I do want to say, you know, shout out to two of the aunties that's in the place, Auntie Elaine, Auntie Toya, who's in the building. 
Yeah, so. for sure, for sure. And and just to you know, just to follow up, I mean, you know, I, I will give a shout out to you know those that there there have been you know folks that lived through you know the civil rights struggle that were at that have been advocating. I think the bill was uh, was was put on uh, uh, since the Congress about a year ago to to make uh, to make. Juneteenth, the national holiday. And so, you know, there are, you know, there are people that have been uh, advocating for that. Uh, and, and so that's, you know, that's, that's part of the reason why I want to give it its, it's, its due, because there, there are folks that were on the ground working hard. And uh, I forget the auntie's name, I'm looking for it right now, um, that, uh, you know, was a huge Joy advocate Renee, for it. Elaine. No, no, not not the aunt, not not the aunties. Oh, there's some um, other aunties out there. I thought you know. There's some, there's some other aunties out there, but you know, the, the bottom line is, folks have been you know advocating for it, but the, the voices haven't been as loud as those that that want that want the voting rights reform, that want um, you know to, to end police brutality, that that want uh, reparations and those types of things. Uh, and, and so I, I give credit to those folks that that have done that and that have put that work in. But at the same time, just like you said, I mean. Is it, should we be inviting everybody to the cookout? Um, you know, can, can, we, can we have anything that's ours? Uh, because, you know, they're, they're, it seems like everything that uh, that we do, everything that we support, um, you know, being about that culture gets, uh, you know, get, gets, gets taken over, gets, uh, you know, rebranded and, and, and utilized for someone else's benefit and profit. I mean, you know, Right now, you know, June is Pride Month and you got, you know, all of a sudden all these, I won't say all of a sudden, but a lot of companies, you know, making their statements like, why aren't we making these types of statements and showing the support year round? You know, it is it is important to have these months to acknowledge folks, but we should be doing this. This should, this should be just a part of who we are because we have such a diverse country and culture. And, you know, it's just like you said, there's, there's folks out there that, that want to deny folks that, that don't want us to, to teach our history. I mean, that's. You know that's why we we're at where where we're at, because because folks don't want to face the reality that's existed, you know, for the hundreds of years, you know, of, that our country's existed. And the crazy thing, you know, is is that the same people that voted to make this a federal holiday last Thursday, literally four days later on, or five days later on Tuesday, voted down the voter laws, you know, mm -hmm. the voter reform stuff. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, and yeah. the only reason we're trying to do that is because of the suppression. That's going on in a lot of states. So it, it's crazy. Like, like I said, how you you can be all rah, rah, rah for something that doesn't have a really have no impact. Because like mm -hmm. I said, we, we've been celebrating Juneteenth. We'll continue to celebrate Juneteenth. But yet the things that we need or would like to see done that doesn't develop impact. You ain't trying to, you know, you ain't trying to address or hear that or whatever. So, you know. Yeah, and I heard I heard um, the the Daily podcast, um, the New York Times. They they did an interview and uh, did a, the spotlight on uh, some of the the lawyers for the Republican Party and why they've been pushing to. Um, I think they were specifically looking at Arizona's laws and wanted to reform that state's laws. And the lawyers straight up said, you know, um, if we don't enact these laws, we're going to be at a disadvantage when it comes to the Democratic Party. The Democrats are gonna have an advantage. Now they, they wanna say Democrats, but they didn't wanna say, you know, those black and brown folks that are in the Democratic Party and uh, them not supporting us or us not doing what needs to be done to support those groups. So, you know, it's, it's wild, man, it's wild. But, you know, this, this, this is America. <laughs> this, this is what we've been struggling with <laughs> since our existence. 
And, uh, you know, as a, as a history teacher, you know, going back to the CRT, man, it's like, you know, we got to teach this stuff because we don't need another generation of, of kids growing up and, you know, not seeing race, being colorblind and, and, and being super sensitive to the fact that, you know, they, they feel guilty because of our history. Like, we get, we get it. Like, this is not, you know, we're, no one's calling you racist, but the system that we exist in has a lot of laws <laughs> that have continued to marginalize black and brown people. And, you know, I, I just, just, just going back to, to the history, I mean, you know, having a conversation with staff and things like that, that that's, that, that's the thing, you know, I'm, I'm interested in seeing, you know, I haven't had the opportunity to have that conversation with staff members. I have, I've had one that's engaged me about the whole CRT thing. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm curious, you know, what the best way to, to go about, you know, addressing that because we, I've got some goals this year uh, for, for us to be a, a, a more anti-racist school. And so, uh, I'm sure it's going to come up. So one of the things that, uh, you know, because we are educators, so it's kind of, I want to kind of bring it back to the educational realm. And I know throughout last summer, we talked a lot about preparing for the school year um, and being here for the movement and not for the moment. So kind of related to the Juneteenth and some of the underlining issues that are going on with racial, we talked a lot about how do you prepare your staff? How do you do, you know, um, equity and inclusion training and things like that, that we've had some equity inclusion officers on our show throughout the school year and things like that as well. So, you know, now we are here a year later, you know, I, I'm going to kind of just reflect back a little bit on that. Like what are some things that you did throughout this school year to kind of keep that equity inclusion at the forefront of your staff's mind? What are some things that you're looking to do moving into the future as well? Yeah, so, you know, I, I talked about uh, us kind of starting off with some book studies last year. We were reading this book is anti-racist. And to be completely honest, we kind of fell off with our study just because of how hectic the school year was. Um, you know, I, I hate to make excuses, but, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, but it's something that, you know, I'm, I'm going right back to. Um, we're going to do much more of our professional development around being culturally responsive, being anti-racist and making and creating space for all of our students. You know, our black and brown population, um, you know, black and uh, Latinx students um, are a small population. You know, we've got a, a large uh, group of, um, you know, South Asian uh, and, and East Asian in our in our school community. But, you know, we got to create spaces for all of our students. And that's, you know, a step towards anti-racism. And, and I think that that is, is very important. You know, we have to have these conversations and um, you know, hold up a mirror to who we are uh, as individuals. And I think the biggest thing is, um, you know, the adults in the school. And so, you know, myself and my assistant principal, you know, you ask about action steps. You know, I have a, a black woman principal, now, assistant principal now. Um, she's the, she exactly. She's she's the only in, in our district. And, you know, I've talked about it before uh, that, you know, as the black, only black man um, principal in our district, we've got the only all black administrative team in our district. Again, it blows my mind, but that's one intentional, you know, I could talk about the process of, of hiring, and, but I mean, she rose to the top, you know, you, I, I did that, you know, critical SWOT analysis to figure out, you know, what, what is it that I need uh, to, to fill in the gaps where, where I'm not strong in, I need someone that's strong. And, and she, she hits, hits all the marks. She's got all the experiences and it's her first time in admin. So, you know, it's a growing process and I'm, and I'm happy that I have the, the opportunity to do that. But, you know, just in my hiring processes, we're, you know, we're, it's that season. I, I know this is something that we were going to talk about with hiring, man. We are, um, we're, we're going to have a, a pretty diverse front office. 
you know, the, 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 the secretaries that, that welcome families into our school are going to be all brown. <laughs> and, and that's like, again, unheard of in my district. And that's intentional. Not that we're trying to eliminate, you know, we're not trying to eliminate any groups, but we want to be more inclusive. And so we've been a lot more intentional in our hiring practices that, you know, to give opportunities to, um, to folks that may, may not have them. Um, and, and we've really been looking at our biases in that, in that aspect as well. Like, you know, we're, we're not looking for someone that we can just hang out with, you know, on the weekends that we would invite over to the house. That's a great, that's a great quality to have in an employee, but, you know, can they do the job? Do they have experiences outside of our district? So that's, that's just, you know, kind of the, the, the top edge of, of what we're doing. So, you know, professional development, uh, we're developing that this summer about what that's going to look like. And, and again, creating those spaces and being more inclusive, being anti-racist versus just not being racist. Um, and, you know, uh, in our hiring practices, a little two, two big action steps that we're taking. So, you know, for us, you know, we, we talked a lot about, you know, this, this year we did the book study on why are the black kids sitting together in the cafeteria. And really, you know, the, the purpose behind that book study was to first to analyze our own biases and isms that we bring to the schoolhouse, whether it be as an administrator or a teacher. What are we bringing to the to the forefront when we are in front of kids and how are we doing that there? And it, it can be, you know, a lot of times it's, it's unconscious biases that we don't really know that are out there. So. Um, the book study for me was good. So the way we kind of set it up was uh, my building leadership team, which is made up of four teachers, my instructional coach and my two APs. We did the book study last summer. And then the, those four teachers, they led four groups of teachers throughout the school year in that book study. So basically it wasn't coming from the administrator. It was coming directly from other teachers. Um, so I was able to kind of bounce in and out of rooms and kind of hear some conversations and be able to kind of add to conversations where I needed to, or just kind of sit back and listen and reflect and things like that there. But the, one of the, and, and I told them, I said, we're not trying to really change practices this year. All I want you to do is be, be aware of the things that are going on. And, you know, and, it happened kind of organically that as we start to sit in PLCs, especially with my ELA department, they start to have conversations about are the pieces of literature that we're picking for kids to read reflective of them? So, you know, they made a, a conscious effort to go out. So when I gave them their, their uh, classroom library money this year, they made a very conscious effort to go out and find books by black authors, by Hispanic authors, by Asian authors. So that basically students were reading authors that reflected them you know we took that whole adage that reading should be not only mirrors but it should also be glass doors or sliding glass doors where i can see something or i can step through and actually be in that environment so we made a very conscious effort of looking at the materials that we're putting in front of kids in our social studies classrooms um especially in my american history class they looked at are we presenting this this you know the revolutionary war through only one lens or are there other lenses that we could be proving this from you know well, yeah it was a war between england and the colonies, but yeah, how did Af Native Americans play into that? How did African Americans play into that? What was their role in all that? Because it wasn't just white people fighting against white people. There were other people that were involved that, you know, played the price. So it, like I said, while that wasn't the intention of the book study, I was glad to see that that's where the book study went for my teachers. Because I wanted to get there at some point, but I didn't think it was going to happen as fast as it was. And then at the end, as we wrapped up the book study, one of the things that in the, the wrap-up conversation that teachers kept resonating and saying is that now we have to be able to challenge each other. We have to be able to say, you know, hey, call each other out. So now next year, the one book studies that, we're, matter of fact, my BLT, we're getting ready to start it for the summer, so they can lead it next year, is Courageous Conversations About Race. 
So how do we have those courageous conversations with our colleagues, with the people in our circles? Because first we have to be able to influence our circle before we can influence anybody else there. So I'm looking forward to that work. And then you talked about, you know, the African-American uh, woman assistant principal. So I had the pleasure of hiring an African-American woman assistant principal as well this year. Uh, so our team is going to be real diverse. So you have me. Uh, one of my APs is African-American woman. The other one is a Caucasian male. So we have a pretty diverse uh, admin team. But then with even in my front office staff, three of my four secretaries are African-American women, you know, and then we already know that 45% of my staff is African-American. So I lost two, um, two African-American, one African-American female teacher. And a, that was a math teacher who's now being promoted to an instructional coach. And then I'll, uh, my, uh, one of my health teachers, he's African-American male. He's going on to be uh, a football coach at, an, at the high school level at another school. But I was able to replace both, of, uh, replace them with two black male teachers. So, you know, I'm, so I'm bringing more black males onto the staff as well. Um, I was also blessed to be able to hire a Hispanic teacher this upcoming school year. So I'm super excited about that. And she teaches uh, English. So I'm excited about that, you know, that piece as well. So really just trying to diversify the staff, keep that diversity there. So, you know, representation is important, as we know, um, as well. So. Kind of switching the gears a little bit. I want to talk about another holiday. I, I, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about Father's Day uh, as being, you know, two black fathers. And when David gets on, I want him to talk about it as well, because I know our kids play a lot of the role in the men who we are. You know, so basically I just just talk about it. Like, what does Father's Day mean to you? Um, mean, meant to you growing up? And then what does it mean to you now as a father? I think that's two different perspectives um, in that process. So I'll, you know, we can jump into that for a minute. Yeah. Um, so. Father's Day is really special. And, you know, I, my, I didn't grow up in the house with my dad, but my dad was, has always been a part of my life. And I think, you know, just the, that experience of, you know, not always having dad around. And, um, you know, I, I, I think back to, um, you know, the, the conversations that we had. It, it was a lot of one-way conversations, dad imparting his knowledge to me. And I didn't really have the opportunity to share. But um, one of the things that I always think about is, you know, my dad made it to all of my high school football games that my senior year. And that was really special to me because we, we lived about um, about two hours away. And so, you know, he would drive those late nights, um, you know, after work, he'd come up and, uh, and check out all my games, the home games and the away games. And that was huge because he, he, he didn't really do that you know, prior, prior to, and, and so that was always something meaningful. And then thinking about as a, uh, as a dad now, like I always wanted to make sure that I was setting the environment. So when I had kids, like it was going to be with my wife and, you know, I was going to be present, was going to be active and doing all sorts of things. Um, you know, it was, uh, I, my, my uh, oldest son is 12 and um, he was born my first year uh, as, as a teacher. And, you know, it was, uh, I love the summer because I always throw them in the car, throw him in the car and just hit the road and just do something different and just create experiences. I think that's one of the biggest things that, um, you know, fathers, being a father has always meant about, you know, this is the, I'm setting the example, I'm setting the table for, for my kids, um, for my sons. This is what I'm telling them. I'm showing them this is what you need to do. Cause I've got three, I've got three boys and, and one girl. And, uh, you know, and, and when it comes to my daughter, like I'm setting the, the example for who she should be looking for, you know, when she looks for a mate, if it, if, you know, man, woman, whatever the case is going to be, that she's looking for someone with the qualities that I have. And, um, 
that's in the forefront of my head every single day. And I, I mentioned, um, you know, my oldest is uh, is going to be a seventh grader at my school. So this past year was his first year in my school. And I constantly think as an educator, do I want this teacher in my setting the, the the tone and the environment that I want my son to have because he is in my school building? You know, so that's, you know, I, am, am I am I presenting myself the, the best way possible, the best example for him? And so, you know, Father's Day is a big deal. I think about Father's Day like every day is Father's Day. And, you know, my kids are, are young. I know your, your daughter is, uh, is in co- off in college. But, um, you know, I, I cherish the days, you know, even the days where like, man, I do not want to get up. I do not want to go out here and play and do all those things. But guess what? I got to suck it up and, and do that for my kids. So, um, you know, Father's Day is, is an important day, but it's, um, you know, every day is Father's Day because we have a huge role in, in what our kids are doing. So I'm, I'm interested in, you know, your, your, your experience growing up. And then, you know, now, I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're, your daughter's grown. So, right. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm sure it's, it, you know, it, it, it's been important to you as well. So, so Father's Day for me is a tell of two coins. I mean, you know, tell of both two sides of a coin because growing up, I grew up without a father. You know, my dad was not present in my life growing up. I had some um, some amazing football coaches who kind of stepped into that role at different points in my life that kind of helped guide me. Shout out to my um, my goddad, uh, Coach Jack, who was my uh, Pop Warner football coach, who basically took me into his home, made me a part of his family with um, who, his son, who became my best friend, Justin, um, who passed away a few years ago. Um, and then his his sister Jacqueline, who they treated me like I was one of theirs, you know. So um, it was kind of a bittersweet not having that that father figure, um, especially you know when you're playing football and you know you see other people's dads at the game and things like that, or senior night, you know, and you got other people fathers walking them across the field and things like that. So you kind of miss out on that there. But the one thing it did teach me though is when I as I was growing up, experienced that I said if I was if and when I became a father, I was going to make sure I was there for my child. I never wanted my child to suffer or go through what I went through. So um, I was extremely blessed at the age of 20 to have my daughter. Um, people, I, I, it's crazy because people always be like, think that I was had my daughter and then got married, but actually I got married at 19 and my daughter was born the following year. Um, uh, but just extremely blessed. Actually, I was 21. Actually, I was 21 when I had my daughter. Um, and just totally changed my entire life. I mean, it, like, I mean, you know, as a father, like when you are truly there for your kids, they give you that reason to continue to go. So when I, you know, got out the military, my daughter was the reason why I left the military because I worked for a reconnaissance squadron. I was on the road, you know, six to nine months out the year. Um, and I didn't want to miss that time with my daughter. So that was one of the reasons why I stepped away from the military. Um, but then when I went into college, you know, being first generation, not having anyone in my family who I can call and ask for advice when I was, you know, getting fed up with a class or a professor was tripping and like that. I looked at my daughter as that motivation. And the one thing that I was always in the back of my head, I didn't want to quit because I never wanted when my daughter ran into something for her to look back and say, well, dad, you quit. You gave up. You know, so how can you tell me? I like I always want to be like, look, if I can get through this, you could get through it. You know what I'm saying? Because you are my seed. So I, what's in you came from me. Um, so is that, that was kind of a lot of my motivation to, you know, pretty much to where I am today in my career and things like that. It was always trying to be that role model for my daughter and now seeing her in college and, you know, doing some, doing the things that she does, you know, she doesn't have some hiccups. College ain't been, you know, the, 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 the sweet ride that she thought it was going to be on top of being COVID and virtual. So, you know, a lot of different things like that, that we kind of try to have to battle through and fight through and trying to find a new path to get to where she wants to go. Um, so, but now Father's Day is like just that, that recognition. I sit back and look at, you know, baby pictures and pictures of her in elementary school and high school and her high school graduation and things like that. And just see like how she has evolved 
over those years and how we've kind of grown together. Um, a lot of people don't know that, you know, I was a single father. So I took my daughter in um, when she was 13 and, you know, raised her from 13 to 18 by myself until she went off to college. Um, so it, it's just a different bond. And, it, and that's another thing that people are just shocked. I, you know, somebody one of the somebody put a comment on there is how do we feel about moms, single moms being told Happy Father's Day? Well, single fathers don't get told Happy Mother's Day on Mother's Day. So, I, you know, I, I, I take it. I do take offense to that. There was a comedy routine that I seen uh, a little while ago where basically they talked about Mother's Day is like the second most celebrated holiday in America and Father's Day is like 20th. And I'm still thinking like, I can't even think of 18 other holidays. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I can't even think of 18 other holidays that you, like Arbor Day is before Father's Day. Like how, you know, how is that even possible? But it just kind of shows you, you know, uh, I think how society has downgraded and tried to diminish the role of a father, but not really understanding how important that role is. Um, and I'm not trying to diminish moms by any means because you know my grandmother was a phenomenal mom to me. Um, you know, you know, moms do a lot. You know, they, I'm pretty sure there's a lot more single moms than there are single fathers. Um, and I don't, I don't think single mom or single father is the way to go. I think you know a child should be raised by both parents, either in a co-parenting situation or in the same household as well. But uh, you know, I just, I, I do. T I, I won't say I take offense to moms being told Happy Father's Day. But it does kind of rub me the wrong way because, like I said, men don't get that same recognition when they're doing the exact same thing when they're a single father. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So um, I just want to give a shout out. I don't know if y'all can see the uh, Black Fathers Exist. Uh, if y'all are familiar with them, if you're not, check them out on Instagram. Uh, you know, I'm rocking the uh, Black Father uh, Now uh, T-shirt. But you know, you know, you're speaking to some of the things that you know. I've been with uh, I. A huge consumer of podcasts and uh, and, and, and audible, audible books, uh, you know, just because that's that's how I do things. But you know, I mean, I think there's just you know these gender stereotypes and and uh, all these preconceived notions about who does what and and all these types of things. I mean, I you know, I'm sure you've gone through all the emotions, you know, as a, as a father with your daughter. You know the the heartbreak and and uh, you know the disappointments and you know just all those different things and you know as men we're not seen as being able to have those emotions or you know it, it being safe for being you know masculine all these types of things I mean we can go so many different roads but um, you know we don't we don't we don't get the love that we deserve and I, and I and I think it's important that you know we step up and we show you know whatever your circumstance whatever your situation is showing love to your kids is the most important thing that you can do. You know, besides, you know, showing love and respect to, to their mother, um, you know, the, the second most important thing is, is, is showing up and, and showing out for your kids. I want to jump in, you know, jump back into a little bit um, about, you know, the, the, the educational side of things, you know. Uh, so we do, you know, we big on often as free PD. So I want to talk about what, what was the major lessons that we learned from the school year as leaders? Uh, what are some, some major takeaways um, and things like that. So I, I'll kind of jump in first and we, we kind of, you know, ping pong back and forth with one or, you know, maybe hit up two or three each. Uh, but my my first major lesson was um, delegation and autonomy is kind of, you know, together for me is, and I didn't talk a lot about this during the school year. I kind of, you know, it was almost one of the things you suffered in silence, but early on in the school year, like when we were still all virtual, both of my assistant principals um, were let go. Um, so basically, I had to run a school of 600 kids and 60 staff members by myself uh, for about eight weeks, about two months is uh, what, what it ran out to until I got my sub APs in place and was able to kind of take some of the load off. But through that time and through that 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 
learning that I went through with that is I found out how much I can lean on my team. My teachers are so phenomenal. Um, I mean, they 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 were coming in almost on a daily check-in, like, hey, Dr. Smith, are you good? What can we do? What can we take off your plate? You know, so I was able to really learn how to delegate and give some autonomy to some of my teachers. And we really developed some amazing teacher leaders during that time, some who have now <laughs> taken that and ran with it because they have now been promoted to other positions after the school year. Um, but that was my major takeaway is that as the school leader, you don't have to take on everything by yourself. You have to be able to you know, give some things off to your staff, whether it be teachers, instructional coach or assistant principals and not micromanage the process, but really let them run with it and make it their own. Um, so that was kind of the first thing that I that I took away from the school year is that that autonomy and delegation that you have to give to people, um, not just in a time of crisis, but throughout you know time as I move forward. Yeah, that's real, man. Um, I, I, I wish I would have been better at those things. Uh, you know, we had the opportunity to share at the National Charter School Conference this morning, um, afternoon for y'all. It was morning for me out here in Cali. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, you know, one of the things that I talked about is, uh, you know, just just understanding, you know, some of the areas that I could have improved on. So I think, you know, that's one of the big things, um, takeaways for me is that, yes, what you just said, Doc, is so important giving folks autonomy and delegating, but also the communication piece. Um, one of the things that I tried to do was protect my folks because, you know, we're a school building, but we've got the district above us and it seemed like, you know, things were constantly changing. And so I was trying to protect them by not sharing all the information because stuff was changing. You know, we get something Monday at our principal's meeting and by Tuesday afternoon, uh, let's pull back. Let's 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 hold off on this or something change, and we might have two or three changes throughout the week. So I took I took the brunt of it, and I said, you know what? I'm gonna hold this information right here, and we're just gonna gonna continue to do our thing. And I feel like I missed some opportunities to grow some of my teachers, grow some of my leaders. I don't know if it was a lack of trust or me really trying to protect folks. But, you know, that's a huge lesson for me to learn as, as a leader is like, you know what, don't 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 bear the burden on your own of, of all the things that are going on. There are so many capable people. And just because things were changing so much, it, it just felt like, you know, a lot of staff was overwhelmed. But we had some that were thriving and I could have tapped into them a little bit more, get their feedback, get their thoughts before rolling something else out or communicating something. So, you know, just. I'll take the, the flip side of that, that doc is I should have leaned into that more and moving forward, I will. I'm not going to, you know, keep everything held to my chest, close to, close to the vest, if you will, when it comes to communication or things that we need to do uh, as a site. So that's, uh, that's, that's one big reflection for me. And I see we got David uh, is, is in the building. So we are, <laughs> we, we just, we just started, uh, reflecting on our big takeaways. So, so, Doc. Yeah, so I was going to do a reset. So, we, we got Mr. Naptown, Mr. Naptown in the building. Uh, he stayed grinding. That's why he was a little bit late. And there's actually a comment I'm going to put up at the end of the, the recap because Dave want to make this a show. So, we're going to bring this back this summer as a show. But, Dave, so we, we, we checked in first. We're going to be checking in. This okay. how you know what's, what's, what's new in Naptown with you and Tenley as you making major moves down there. And then we just talked about, you know, this is technically our one year anniversary show. So, What's, what's a year in a review? And when that year in a review, 
we touched a little bit on Juneteenth and kind of how things have come full circle for us since last year with all the protests. And, you know, and then we talked a little bit about Juneteenth and how it became a federal holiday and how that was kind of like the sucker to appease the people because they weren't going to Disney World uh, a little <laughs> bit. So <laughs> uh, so we just kind of let you kind of, you know, wrap about a little bit of that. We can give you, you know, the platform to kind of do your thing on that there. And then uh, we're going to come back at the end, though, and talk about, you know, this this comment right here. Cause that's gonna be a show later oh, on. Oh, oh <laughs> William. Okay, we see you, William. Right. We're um, coming back to that. Don't worry. Hey, man. First of all, man, I'm I'm just I, I've been I've been on ten. I don't know if y'all touched on it, but we presented for the second year in a row at the National Charter School Conference. And uh, man, just the the energy uh, being back with, with the fellas was great. Um, man, everything's good, man. East side of that, man. Stand up. We all is good. School year was great. Um, just finished a master's class over launching uh it's called the launching lab so looking at trying to start my own business man it's, it's time to, it's time to jump out man and break these shackles and, and and do my own school thing man after being on that panel with naomi and, and talking about the charter collaborative and i know you know you got those black charter leaders leading those single sites man it's about time that you know i take some of the things that i've learned from the amazing educators i worked under and try to do my own thing so i'm still grinding that tenley so any tenley people listen i ain't leaving I got a three-year plan, so you you gonna rock with me for a little bit, but it might be time, you know, to, to do my own thing, man. Launched the Real Academy, uh, realizing, excelling, and achieving through learning. So I got a name already. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's been good. But I'm excited to be here. One year in the game. When we started, it was Juneteenth. When we started, um, black people were getting murdered senselessly. Um, folks were protesting and doing the right things. And and you know, fast forward a year later, now you got. You know, the president who we put in office, you know, appeasing us, as, as you guys say, you know, giving us a, a slap on the back with a federal holiday. But like I tell people, man, I, I didn't need Biden to make Juneteenth the federal ho holiday because I would have took off work anyway. And I was taking off work anyway on Juneteenth. So I don't need you to give me a federal holiday to take off work. But I will say this. The, the, the positive side is. It is it is some acknowledgement. So I'm not going to just dismiss it like it's, like it's not a big deal, like it is a big deal for it to be a federal holiday. But I think the other things that we're asking for, we would like those as well, right? Um, the anti-lynching bill and things like that, we want those things as well. Um, so don't think we forgot the energy and don't think we forgot, and that includes everybody, even, even the queen, Queen Kamala, right? Like we helped put you there too, so... Four years have come around real quick, and, and we don't forget things. So, but man, I'm I'm excited, man. I, I was able to catch pieces of it. So, happy Father's Day to both y'all and everybody. Else. Oh yeah, we, we definitely want you to hit upon that because you know you you are what a father? What three years of the game now? Two man, years two years, man. Zuri Ray, who man? So. And, and we we know you 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 have an amazing dad as well. So you know you kind of get blessed on both sides of the coin. So if you just talk about like what does father mean to Father's Day mean to you as a son, mm -hmm. but then also what does it mean to you as a father as well? Oh man, so yeah, growing up, I was I was fortunate and blessed to, to grow up in a household with my dad. Um, still living, still there for me. So I always had that foundation, you know. And so now I have an opportunity uh to be a dad myself. And if I can just be a smidget of the father my father was, right? I think Zuri will turn out um the same way I did, which I think is which is, you know, I turned out turned out good. And so it's just, man, you guys know, man, having having a child, having a daughter, 
gives you a different perspective. We see um, education differently. We see our work differently, our investments differently. Uh, but man, she's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Uh, she's the the one thing I've done right in the world, and she saved my life. And so I just hope every day um, I can just be a better father. And then when she gets older, I hope she can say, you know, that that's my dad, and I'm, I'm happy he's my dad because I know I'm damn proud to call um, Dave McGuire Senior my dad. So happy Father's Day to all those fathers. And I saw some comments about the whole, you know, women doing a Happy Father's Day. I ain't gonna touch that. I'm just gonna let that sit right there. <laughs> but yeah. So then we could jump back to you know the last thing we talked about, just major lessons. We can kind of ping pong around, you know, major lessons. Uh, and I can just recap for me, and I'll have you know Bar do it like a tw- two second recap. Mine was autonomy and delegation was one of the first major lessons I learned from the school year, being to be able to delegate some things to my staff and then give them the autonomy to make it look like what they wanted it to look like, as long as it was getting the job done. So that was kind of my first major takeaway from the year. Yeah, and my takeaway was uh, probably the the opposite, or or the fact that I needed to do more of that, and that's what I'll be doing moving forward. Man, my, my biggest takeaway is trusting my teachers, um, having to trust teachers, right? Uh, because there are so many moving parts, man. That you learn, you learn a lot about the people uh, that you work with, and as school leaders, you learn a lot about your teachers and adversity and times like this, man. And my teacher showed up, man. Like I was, I was shocked, honestly, about how well they did this school year. I mean, hell, I think they handled some of this better than I did some days. Right. Um, and so I was, I was appreciative of that. The other lesson is, man, listen, I try to tell folks, man, COVID, COVID impacted a lot of people. Right. But as one of my parents told me, Mr. Guire, I've been struggling for food and I've been struggling trying to get a job. So COVID didn't, COVID didn't impact me that way, right? Like, if anything, it leveled the playing field for other folks, right? And so I think we have to understand, right, that there's some families, there's some people that they live, this pandemic that leave, we, we've been living for 18 months, this has been people's whole life, right, for 18 years, some, some, some cases, right? And so they understand, right, how to navigate this system. I think hopefully those of us that's been privileged and had opportunities more than others, when those things were limited, that we learned how valuable, you know, certain things are. And I hope we have a, a greater appreciation. I definitely have a greater appreciation for having my kids in the building. I have a greater appreciation for being able to see their faces when they smile, being able to wipe their tears when they cry, right? So the major lesson is, man, I, I'm appreciative of the time that I've had, um, that we had and will have again in school, man. I think we, we can't take that for granted, man, because this school year was, was wonky and crazy. And I, I'm looking forward to getting back to a sense of normalcy hopefully next year. So for me, I guess my next big takeaway was uh, the power of the parent. Like I said, I knew parents were important, but I think this this pandemic starting last March um, really highlighted how important it is to have parents on your team. You know, I think a lot of times, especially at the middle school level, I think at the elementary level, parents are a little bit more involved, a little bit more leaned upon. But I think sometimes in the middle school, we, we, we forget about the parent. We forget about the power of the parent and what they can do to help us achieve the goals that we have. Like they don't have to be an afterthought in this process. Um, and I was just, you know, 
elated that in my summative review or my you know summative evaluation that my boss and the superintendent both said if there was one thing that we can say you strived in it was connecting with your parent and your school community how you brought them in you know and how the narrative about your school has shifted in just one year and how people understand what's going on everything is very transparent you're upfront and then you're also kind of that one-stop shop there's something that a parent needs in the community not even if it has to do with the school you know you can connect them with the resources that they need you know whether it be trying to get counseling service or whether it be trying to get to a food bank or you know job counts and things like that there so that was the piece that made just how important the school community and parents have been um that's something i want to continue to build upon um and set even higher goals you know this year alone in our ptsa we had 110 members and out of 110 members 60 of them were parents so i'm like how can we double that you know i i have close to 300 parents in my school building so if i can get 150 my parents to be active members in the ptsa i'm not saying that you have to hold a board meeting but if we're doing, you know, a curriculum night, you're there to kind of help volunteer or, you know, if we're doing parent teacher conferences, which I'm hoping we can stand you to do it virtually. But if we do it in person that after you're done with your conferences, can you sit down and watch somebody else's kid while they go in and do a conference? Like, how do we build that 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 true village community within the process of you know, things that we do in GMS? So the power of the parent, it was the second thing that I kind of pulled away from this school year. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll piggyback on that, I think. This was the first time with us being virtual for most of the school year, for some of our students, for most of my students, virtual all school year. It's the first time that at the middle school level that our that our parents have been able to see our teachers in action. And for some, it was a great experience. For others, not so much. Not so and, much. And, and I mean, and, and that's the reality. And so I think this is a great opportunity for us as school leaders to step in and really provide support. Because you know, unfortunately, you you know, we probably weren't able to get into as many classes as we wanted to, and and be that presence that we should be as instructional leaders. I know I, I I'm I'm pulling out all my warts. I'm I'm just I'm opening up the door. You know, hey, this is who I am, and this is where I'm at. But I wanted to do so much more as an instructional leader this year and really running two different schools. It was really difficult to do that for me. And uh, I, I don't want us to lose how much more engaged many of our parents were this year. And, and so that's one of the things that I'm hoping next year. You know, I want to I want to double our PTA membership. We've got an educational fund that, you know, we have families that raise money for us to support uh, additional uh, sections and things like that. Um, we have a school site council that helps us establish our school goals for this for the school year. I want to bring more of those parents in because because they they see what we're doing on campus. You know, they they see stuff that I might not be seeing, and so I, I want to tap into that and and not just be like, oh, you know, I, you know, I don't know what you're talking about, parents. Like, you know, let's be real. Some of the stuff that was happening in, in classrooms wasn't good on Zoom calls and, and Google Meets. And so we got to be real about that. We got to be real about the process of helping support our teachers be better. And if they don't want to be better, they need to find something else to do. Hey, one thing I learned from YouTube, and because both of people know that that follow the show, like I, our school opened, um, we started school August 3rd virtually. And then by August 17th, we were we had like most of the kids in person. So most of my school year was in person. But for you two who navigated a virtual school and an in-person school longer. What I major lesson I took back is in order to be an effective school leader, you can't be a one trick pony, right? So while you can be great instructionally, you better learn how to navigate and engage parents. You better understand the importance of 
um, systems and things like that. Or if you're really good at systems and really good at programming, you better be good at instruction, right? Because there's there's the virtual instruction and the way you deliver that. There's in-person instruction. It's different when you can't interact with kids as much, when you can't really do small groups. And so you got to coach teachers to be more creative with engagement when you have to have kids, you know, behind plexiglass and things like that. Like you can't be a one trick pony. And so I think one thing I learned, another major lesson was as a school leader, man, your toolbox, man, it, it better be deep. Like it better, it, you got to be a Swiss army knife, man. You, you cannot be a one trick pony, right? And you got to have skills um, to lead in this, in this moment, in this movement. So I, I, I appreciate watching you two over the, over the course of this past school year, man. I don't know. I don't know if I could have led a virtual and in-person school like that, man. It's just, it, it was hard, man. It was hard in the last year. So that's just something I would need to grow in, you know, because I think COVID and no COVID virtual is the, is the new wave. And I think you're going to see a lot of schools offering that option because there are some children and some families that thrive in that environment. And so we can't strip that from them. So just tied out to say, like, don't be a one trick pony as a school leader if you want to be successful. You know, and I, I just to piggyback on that again, I, I think that's why we're in our position, man. I, you know, we, we've got that capability. You know, mm -hmm. we, we had the opportunity to show that this year and there's going to be more opportunities, you know, down the line. Because just like you said, the whole virtual component is not going to go away. It's just a matter of how we deliver it. Is it going to be, you know, from a, my in my situation, the district's running it. But, you know, I, I when the, the district came to us and asked, you know, the school principals, you know, this is something that's probably not going to go away. How do you think we should handle it? Should you be doing mm -hmm. it in-house? Should we take it over as a district and run it for the whole district? You know, I said, hey, <laughs> we, we did so many more things this year than we thought we could do, <laughs> you know? So we you, you you tell us, we'll make it happen. And right. know, give, give us enough time and the resources, we'll, we'll make it happen. And let me tell you why these two have been successful. So I don't know if, again, shout out to, to Naomi for putting us on for the National Charter School Conference, but Ball had on a jacket today, but he wore a jacket because he wanted to show that pin because his school is a distinguished school in California. And I think that that's that's major to shout out, man. I think that being able to do that and to carry that into this school year, right, and to, to maintain that is powerful. And then I don't know if y'all know, but if y'all watch our live shows, man, Doc, Doc's uh, background look a little different. Only straight up upgraded on something serious. Lately, so uh, it's looking good, brother. I, I can see it's kind of the wild right. or different, dif different, different. Oh, this, 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 this is just the man cave. You know, we try to get the man cave together. You know, you know, we 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 done upgraded the digs. We done doubled the home size. You know, uh, you know, we got three thousand plus square feet now. Yes, so, sir. Uh, but yeah, so you know, I'm, I'm the office ain't together, so I'm, I'm in I'm in the man cave because the office not where I want it to be quite yet. I ain't got that elaborate background like you got with all the posters and stuff. Yeah, man, I gotta. So. Hey, don't don't let these posters fool y'all, man. I am in an apartment on the east side of Nap. All right, so I just got so. the background and the mic anyway. But no, nah, I man, it's just it's good to be back, man, with y'all and doing this. Listen, I, I was scrolling through the comments, man. This uh, this master. What was that question you had? Oh, no, let's oh, go yeah. back up to it. Yeah. Hey, man. Let's, let's put it back on the screen. Let's put it back on the screen. For my boy, William, who's been all in the comments tonight. Shout out to William. Yeah, that. Where is it? Should school and ministry. Hey, Boom, man. There it is. <laughs> that That's that's heavy. I, let me see. What's our what's our next show? July. Uh, let's, whoo, what's the what July. July. Uh, no, it's uh, July 7th. 
July seventh. Yeah. Now I'm we we gonna have to see. I, I might be I might have to do Joe from Cancun because I'll be in Cancun at that time. So oh, we we can do okay. palm trees. <laughs> <laughs> so we might be we might be coming to live from the beach. <laughs> hey, that's like that, but I, I like that man. So I ain't gonna touch on it too much, man. But that that is that is a that's a that's a loaded question. I mean, it depends on. Weren't you tweeting about that this not too I long was. ago? I, I was. I did. You know, I, I be trying to be careful on Twitter. You know, those that follow the show, man, I, I've, I've been good in 2021, not saying nothing crazy. But, yeah, man, listen, for real, I, I think – you. I mean, we all know, right? Like, you got to be at any moment, right, to j- jump in the classroom. And I ain't going to talk too much. Jump in the classroom, man, and model for a teacher. And, you know, folks know that I, I, I teach a lot of my school. That's because we can't get no subs, and that's a show for another day. But – when, when I'm trying to coach a teacher and it's just not clicking, sometimes I just got to get up and show you. And you've all you've all done that and experienced that. And so that's my little tease of that. But that's not this show. But I just wanted to, to tease that, man. It's just- I, I do want to hit a point real quick. Cause like that, that's, right. that's, that's, that's going to be my third major takeaway uh, for the school year. Because, <laughs> you know, you know, one thing I tout is that school leaders, the principal needs to be an instructional leader. At the yes, end sir. of the day, you have to be an instructional leader. However, my big takeaway from this, this year is that I, I don't knock building managers, you know, but I found out this year you need those building managers because Ooh. at any moment's notice, you know what I'm saying, you know, you got, we we had to, almost was on the verge of shutting down because of co- we had so many staffs quarantined. Mm-hmm. You know, lucky to say we never had to, you know, quarantine an entire cohort of kids, you know, for exposure and things like that. But like, you know, understanding, you know, making sure we had enough buses and making sure how how was lunch going to roll because we can't use the cafeteria. Now we're doing breakfast and lunch in the classroom and making sure teachers had time. They still got their, you know, duty free lunch and make sure they had enough plan time. So I found out, like, you know, that you have to be able to, like you said, you have to be that Swiss Army knife. You have to be able to. So I would put my, my major with that. You have to be a, a hell of a juggler. As a, as a principal, you have to be able to juggle multiple balls at the same time. And like, it's funny because, you know, it's the little picture of the little meme or whatever. The little kid said, what do principals do? And they say, all they do is uh, say announcements and eat donuts. And I'm like, I wish it was just that. I wish that's all we just right. did. Uh, because you you do so much and you got to deal with the irate parent. And then, you know, you got to worry about the curriculum and make sure stuff is getting taught. So that 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 piece that you talked about, that Swiss Army knife and, you know, wearing multiple hats. And knowing how to appease everybody. I think that principal play, you got to appease the teacher. You got to appease the student. You got to appease the parent. And you got to appease the people at central office. Like, don't nobody have that pressure coming from every angle like that building principal. So that was the thing that I just learned. Like, how to, how to be a hell of a juggler is something else that this year taught me. Agreed. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And, and I think, again, as I mentioned before, you know, we were, we're in our, our positions because we can do that. You know the, the the folks the folks that that hired us you know see that ability within us and so yeah I think this was this was the the litmus test for for how much you can handle and I think um, you know as leaders with so many different things up in the air like it's cool when like you know that there's chaos in the background and you got all these different things but kids are learning teachers are teaching everybody's getting fed you know and all those different things are happening. But, but but you got it in the background and you, you you playing it cool because that's what we do. You know, our folks are looking at us. I mean, what's what's that adage? If the principal gets cold, you know, sneezes, everybody gets a cold. Mm-hmm. Like you, we set the tone. We set the tone. And when we can be that Swiss Army knife and make things happen, folks see that and uh, they see that we're, we're, we're cool, calm, and collective. I think that's one of the things, you know, my big takeaway is like, 
folks see that. And I got so much feedback from parents and students that were just appreciative that, you know, I showed up every day with enthusiasm. When they saw me, I was there, I was trying to make things happen. And and, and that, that meant so much to me because, you know, in my head, you know, I'm having a conversation with someone, but I'm thinking about 10 million things and I got a smile. I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. I, you know, I love it. You're doing great things. Keep up the good work. And, you know, and you're making it seem like you got everything under control, even when you don't. Yeah. And William said, you know, operations and instruction, where's the balance? And for me, I don't think there is a balance. I think that's the problem that we try to find this balance. I don't think it's a balance. My thing is, what is the tool that's called for at that time? Like, you know, when I'm going into my toolbox and I'm, I'm and if I'm building a deck, you know, I might need the nail gun at this moment. And in the next moment, I might need the sanding paper to sand down this piece of wood. I'm not trying to find a balance, make sure I use the sandpaper as much as I use the nail gun. It's what is that call for it at that moment? And do I have the proper tool to give it my all to get the job done? So I think that's the thing that I'm moving forward with. It's like, I'm not trying to find a balance between being a building manager and an instructional leader. I'm trying to say at that moment, well, what's going on in front of me? Do I have the right tool to get the biggest bang for my buck? And sometimes that might be instruction if I'm sitting in front of a teacher in a classroom giving a PD. And another time if I'm sitting in a board meeting trying to get funds to pay for this activity over here, it might be a different role. So I'm not trying to find balance. I'm trying to find what is the right tool for this moment. Mm -hmm. Hey, look, it, th this season two, are we on season three? What season we on? Season two? <laughs> we on season two? We we right. season two. All right, look, two. this 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 energy I'm bringing for season season two. Um, when you know William's point about being operations and instruction, the 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 season I'm in at my school as a school leader, right? We in year um, what year three of this turnaround, trying to improve outcomes for kids. I ain't got time to be no operations person. I got to be instruction 100% of the time. And that's just real, right? We, we're trying to go from 20% three years ago to 40% last year. You know, we got up to 60. We got to get to 80, 90, and eventually to 100. So until the grind gets there, like, I got to be in I gotta be instruction mode. We got a network director of operations. We got grant managers. I got two APs, a counselor. They do the operations. I got a business manager who's dope. I got to be solely instruction and, and, you know, I'll put it up there. We in summer school right now. Uh, we just started the summer learning lab. It kicked off June 21st. It's going until July uh, 23rd. We start school August 9th. I got 150 kids in summer school. I got 14 four-year-olds who's in a kindergarten kickstart program. It's instruction all day because who, who, who teaching that kindergarten kickstart program? Your boy, holla at me. <laughs> teaching that kindergarten kickstart. Uh, and I was a high school English teacher, but you got to do what you got to do. But that's the mode I'm in. Right. So right now, my goal eventually, my goal is to wear back my three piece suits, you know, with my uh, Koha shoes and my tie clip and sit in my office. Right. Because my building is running where I can come in at 11, leave at 230 and do my thing. But we're not there yet. So for me, it's instruction all day, every day. Right. That's got to be my mindset because kids got to learn. And right now, man, we're not doing and I'm speaking candidly, like our school is not producing what it should be for our children. And until we do that, man, I got to be instruction focused. So that's my energy. Shout out to the kindergarten kids start. What's your, uh, what's your take on that operations versus instruction balance? You know, I, I, I'll take what, what David said. If you're not strong in some of those areas, you've got to have the people in place that can do those types of things. Um, you know, I, one of my things is like, I, I kind of like to be involved in all those different types of things, but that's not for me all the time. And so I've got an amazing um, 
secretary that's moving to my office manager position. And she's like, look, you do too much. You need to, you need to settle in. So it's my job yes, now sir. as the <laughs> office manager. I'm going to make sure that you got what you need and that you'll be able to be successful here on our campus. And that, and just like you said, that's, that's leading instruction and that's setting the tone, uh, you know, academically. I mean, we're, we're in a good spot, but we got so much more to do as, uh, as growing our teach, growing my staff so that they're aware. And we're creating, again, like I talked about in the beginning, creating safe spaces for all of our students. Cause you know, we, we're experiencing microaggressions, you know, like, you know, and flat out racism, just because we're, Ignorance. It's not. It's not anything that you know. I'm not calling anybody racist or anything like that. But if you don't understand someone's culture, if you don't understand where they're coming from, it's not a safe space for them. And so, like, like moving forward, that's 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 going to be part of the, the part of instruction where where I'm headed is to make sure that you know we're examining our curriculum, we're examining the, the language that we're using, and how we're we're setting up our classroom environments. Hey Doc, look, Doc Ball. You see, you see, I'm trying to come for us, y'all. I, 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 I see him. But look, Doc, <laughs> listen, I think in season two, we need to have a show highlighting the office managers. That's gonna hey. be a new energy, man. Y'all, y'all, y'all yeah. do not want my administrative assistant on this podcast. We got we need her. her. We need her. We need her. We need her. Hey, y'all look, look yeah, that's they, right. They tell us they be like, dude, you would think y'all was brother and sister. Cause she challenged me. She'd be like, look. You ain't do it like, we, but we, yeah, we, but she, she also my sorrow. So, you know what I'm saying? We, that's a whole different energy. But it's it's your with. right and left hand, right? That, that's oh. your, people say the AP, no, 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 Like, you know, nothing against, you know, brother and the expert, uh, principal Cafele, but your office manager, your, whatever you call clerk, secretary, whatever the term you call that person, that first line of defense, that right hand, man, them special people, man, they deserve their flowers, man. We might need to do a show. <laughs> hey, we, we definitely got look. She'll be the first one. She'll be on the you tell her to be on there at six, she's gonna be on there at 5 30 waiting. Like, that's hey, right. I need my, I need so, but to, to answer other questions, she's trying to come for me. This so, this summer, my teacher <laughs> actually, we just uh, my building leadership team, we 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 in the in the midst of the uh, building expertise conference that kicked off today. I went to some amazing breakout sessions in between us doing our thing at the National Charter School Conference. Uh, but one was on building stronger teams and really looking into diving into that. And then next Monday, this Monday coming up, I mean. All week long, we kicking off curriculum camp. So I got teachers coming in, uh, realigning curriculum, writing proficiency scales, aligning assessments to standards and things like that. So we do a, a whole week, Monday through Friday, eight to three curriculum camp uh, across the board. So I'm super geeked about that's popping off. And then we're doing the book study with my BOT starting in July. When I get back from Cancun, we're doing uh, critical conversations about race and really trying to push the conversation, the narrative of challenging each other to make sure those microaggressions, those isms ain't really you know being unaddressed by our staff. So and, uh, we already talked about CRT. You came late, so you you know go back and uh, run the tape. Hey, listen, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm with us though. If you if you out here teaching CRT the correct way, right, and not afraid to speak your truth and live your truth, then I and listen, I, I'm with them. We uh, <laughs> we 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 definitely got a job. What's this? It definitely ain't no CRT right now. Hey, hey. He okay. coming for you, boy. Tell okay. about that pen you got. Tell about that pen you got. Hey, hey. You know, it, it, it's just a symbol. But I, I think the, the bottom line is like, what is CRT? There's so many folks out here that want to mm -hmm. bash CRT, but they don't even understand it. And I know the Eight Black Hands they did their show on that, but we got to have a clear understanding of what it is. Like, you know, our, our the way our system is set up, 
Like that's what CRT is looking at. Like it's looking at the system. It's not calling anyone. It's not dividing anyone any more than anyone's already divided. So you know, I I, I think uh, you know there, there's space for it, but you know nobody's teaching. Nobody teaching. Do, do you think? Do you think CRT is the buzzword for right now? Oh yeah, that's all it is. That's all it is. It's the boogeyman. Everybody just jumping on the bandwagon for it right it's now. It's the boogeyman. It's a boogeyman. You know, folks are using to scare you so that we're not doing the work that needs to be done. I think that's the bottom Cause, line. Because last summer it was, you know, diversity and inclusion. So is this summer CRT is the thing everybody's running with? You man, it was equity, diversity, and inclusion. Oh, equity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gotta throw that one so, down there. So equity, diversity, and inclusion done evolved to CRT now. Yeah, I mean it. But it, it, it's it's following the the pattern of the past, you know, 18, 19 months, right? You know, it, it, it's it's all built building on that. I think now, man. But I will say this, man. They are afraid. They are afraid of the truth coming out for sure, right? Yeah, they're the di- diversity, equity, and inclusion. DEI, right? That now now CRT and but man, hey, speak your truth. That's why I say, man. <laughs> but but, but should, CRT, man. should CRT only be happening in the school space, though? Like, is CRT happening at the Boys and Girls Club? The is church. CRT happening at the church? Is, you know, is CRT happening in these community spaces? Like, we talking about CRT happening in the schools, but kids have interactions at other locations. Are we pushing CRT everywhere, or is it just the school is the easy place to push it at? Well, school is the easy place to attack, right? Yeah. It, it's going to get the headlines and the, and the, the publication if you start if you're attaching to the school, if this was a church conversation, it wouldn't get the buzz, but you slap schools on it, right? Because you have other, other entities that can play a part in it. Uh, unions, politicians, right? That, that can have a hand in that. So it, it's easier for them to, and listen, you can put money on it, right? Anything you can, anything they use to make money off black kids, man, they're going to, they're going to use it. And this is, this is, this is one of those things, but I do want to go back to something. So we all about, we all about to apply for the CRT grant now. Hey, it's about to be one, bro. Well, hell, I think I think there's a, a line item in the CARES funding for CRT or something. Man. I'm, I'm telling you, you can find really? it, man. You can find mm. it. You can, you can, you what you can do is you can play with the language and tie it to something. I mean, because think about it. Like they just, I mean, they said Biden was pumped. I mean, pump money into education, right? Ah, oh, this this extra money that we getting ain't no joke. Like. I don't know about everybody else, but it, it's 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 some big cheese. Yeah, but that's the, but see that's the thing. <laughs> the thing man, is, like, what do you what do you do with that's it? That's the question. That's the like, question. Like, nah. So yeah. you know, and it's funny because like I said, I it just you know right here in the Grandview Triangle. So the Grandview Triangle for us is made up of our school district, Center Hickman's three different school districts, pretty much same demographics. You know, things like that. One high, all of them are one high school districts. You know, maybe one or two middle schools, stuff like that. And what they're how each school district is using or looking at that money is so different. Like mm-hmm. in our district, when we found out how much money we were getting, we had a whole meeting with all the building principals saying, Hey, here's how much money we're getting. What do y'all want to do with this money? What is it in your school that we can do to make this go? We got three years to spend this. You know, what programming that we can bring in? And you know, my my big thing is literacy. Like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like work some people out of a job. So these reading interventionists, let's get these kids on grade level so we don't need a reading interventionist no more. So let's pump some money into true targeted instruction and literacy to make sure these kids can read on grade level. You know, or how do I bring in, you know, some retired teachers to come in and tutor kids during the school day so I ain't got to worry about trying to keep kids after school. 
You know what I'm saying? How do I give kids the core plus more? Like we read our, did our entire master schedule where now we have a whole intervention and extension block. Every kid every day will have an intervention and extension class, you know, where we can either fill in gaps or extend the learning for them in all content areas. You know, how are we doing those things? You know what I'm saying? Whereas in another district, they like, well, they ain't said nothing to us about the money. Like the district's already made up their mind what they're going to do with the money over here. So I'm saying my thing is like, you know, we talk about the boots on the ground, the people that's doing the work. They don't want what are they going to do with the money? So I, that's the, I, I was just, you know, elated that our district even came to us. Like, what do you want to do with the money? And then we threw out those ideas. They was like, cool, let's make it happen. Let's write up this plan. Let's look at how do we, you know, three year, a three year process of how do we gauge and make sure it's making progress? You know, and like William just said, we, we also how do we look at tier one instruction? Not everything has to be an intervention. How do we fix tier one instruction? How do we fix make sure teachers are doing activities that align to the standards? You know, so we like I, said, I told you before, we did the six part. PD series around proficiency scales and unpacking mm -hmm. standards so teachers really understood. Do you know what you're teaching? When you read that standard, do you really understand what is it you're supposed to be putting in front of kids and assessing them over? So just the way that they're using the ESSER money in different places is, is going to be wildly different. Yo, bro, I'm listen. Wow, I'm, I need to, go ahead, uh, Bob. No, I was just going to say, Doc, I need, I need to be in your, your district's meeting because uh, we haven't had that meeting yet. Hey, man, I'm from, listen, I'm from the mud, though. You give me some money and tell me I got three years, I'm about to figure out how to stretch that to six years. So, like, when I'm looking at this pot of money, man, people say well, it's only good for three years. Three years where? I gotta, I'm got. i about to make a plan to make this sustainable, right? So, like, how do we craft and use this money appropriately where it builds on each other, right? So, yeah, the money physically is three years long, but how do you extend these programs or these initiatives or this work, right, to last longer than that? And so, to William's point, right, we're pouring money in teacher development, Right. Like teacher development. We got to develop teachers faster and we got to develop it long. I'm in a charter school, man. So like I know I'm going to give folks two, three years max. Right. So how do I maximize that two to three years of that teacher and what I get out of them, but also keep the pipeline going? Right. But we got to make this money stretch. So like we, we, we were given X amount that we can spend on what you want to spend it on. And they trying to find what you why are you holding on to it in year one? It's not that I'm holding on to it in year one. I just know it. The, the things we need to do in year one don't really require this money. Developing teachers, I ain't got to put no money there. I got to just be intentional about my coaching and things like that. It's year two and year three and year four. How we utilize that money is where I need it. But right now we got to develop the teachers and get that tier one. And then we start working on our OST, which is out of school time, right? Getting these after school programs to develop kids and keep them out the streets and things like that. That's the stuff we got to do. And I, I see William just put up there. Phonemic awareness, because he asked about uh, how we're doing literacy. Listen, if phonics, phonemic awareness, and fluency, Dibbles, TRC, K through six, that's where we're hanging our hat on. Screening, diagnosing, progress monitoring. That's it. Like that is, I'm with you, Doc. Literacy is it. Screen them, diagnose them, progress monitoring. That's what we're doing, because that, that's what research is on. That's how you get the biggest gains. Bob, what y'all doing with the money? That's a good question, man. I don't know. <laughs> I ain't been, I ain't hey, been in that conversation yet. Be careful. I ain't been in that conversation yet. And it's, and it's funny because I had a couple of teachers ask, and I'm like, you know, I, <laughs> I've been completely honest. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't know. We, we, we've got a plan that, uh, you know, we're developing this the strategic uh, initiatives that dive into uh what is it? Deep learning, equity, and um, wellness. I'm assuming that there's money going to go to that, but we've got to clearly define what that is and what it looks like on each school site. So we've, we've got a lot of work to do. 
when it comes hey, to that. Parents, and the one thing that ask, David talked about. Ask questions about that money to, to right. your schools. David talked about, you know, the, the Dibbles and Fonses Pernell. And I would tell you last summer, I would have been like, well, what is, what is that? But throughout the school year, I found that there is data supporting those programs. And, you know, and the problem is they're only using them at the elementary level. So what we just did with my Title One funds, is we went out and bought a Fonses and a Pernell program. All the resources dropped $15,000 for all of it because I got eighth graders still reading on the third grade level who need those now. programs Come in order now. to be able to read. I just went and took my sixth grade ELA teacher, repurposed her as a reading interventionist and said, we're going to get you trained up in this because the same stuff that they're getting those gains for in elementary, my eighth grader reading on third grade level need those same exact strategies. So why y'all keep trying to teach Thanks. them, you know, look higher level stuff when they ain't even got the basic understanding of stuff like that. And, you know, they was like, we really going to do this? Yeah, we really going to do this. We going to repurpose because if this is proof that it works, why are we using it? Why are we doing it? Like we, we y'all keep doing the same interventions and putting kids, giving kids books on third grade level, having to read books on third grade levels. That's not getting them to a fourth grade level. Man, you know listen, if, if, but, I mean, if you don't know the instructional reading level of every kid in your building, that's the first thing that you need to figure out. And that's why like the dibbles can go K-8 because you need to know the readings, the, the reading level, lexile level of every student, right? Then you need to know what their instructional level is, right? Because that's where you're pushing and driving the interventions, right? To, you still expose them to grade level content. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that if they're in a sixth grade reading class, they don't get the sixth grade reading book. No, they get that. But you have to have a plan, right, to your point, to build that foundational skill. So if you have a fourth or fifth grader that is struggling reading, you need to figure out, is it decoding? Is it phonemic awareness, right? Do they not understand all the sounds? And you might have to do Orton Gillingham, right? And you might have to do those we, type of programs. We, we paying for that training as well. And, don't, and, right, and you, OG training is expensive as... <laughs> listen, man, I will go to bat with, with people about OG, right? Like that OG works, period. It, it just does, right? Because I'm my daughter's two. And, and I'm trying... And she ain't really... I mean, she. I'm not saying my daughter's brilliant. But like we're she can respond after me, A Apple at B Boy Buh, you know, C CAC. Like she can do those things because that's important. But a lot of kids didn't get that early on, man. And why you like you said, you got eighth graders reading at a third grade level, because we just glossed over teaching them the basic foundations of letter sounds, long E, short E, right? C H, T H, S H. Like we can do a whole show about reading, but like I say I'll just say the money should be put, man, in teaching kids how to read because Doc, you know, as a math person, right? If kids can't read, they're not going to do this seventh, eighth grade, ninth grade math because it gets the real world application and story problems. And if you can't read, how are you going to read the story problems? And that's that's my big push this year. One of my one of my big my, my phrase this year is the core plus more. How am I giving kids the core instruction plus more? So my kids that are in eighth grade, you know, third grade level, you're going to go to your eighth grade communications arts class, but you also go to this reading intervention class, too. Yes, sir. <laughs> so you you gonna get both. So because like I said, I I, I my like I said my goal, and I told myself they think I'm crazy. Is I want eighty percent of my kids reading at tier one, tier two level. Tier one is at or above grade level, and tier two is one grade level below. Like now, so if I got an eighth grade that's reading on the third grade level, yeah, I'm not gonna get them to seventh grade in one year. But if I can take them from third grade to sixth grade, look how much more I'd enhance this kid's life by doing that. Like we we. One year improvement is not good enough no more. That's pretty much what it is. 
One year improvement ain't good enough no more. We need to be getting two, three year improvements in a year by any means necessary. Facts. That's what's up. That's what's up, fellas. I mean, that, 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 that energy, man, on teaching kids how to – I say it all the time, man. Kindergarten through second grade, kids are learning to read. Third and up, they're reading to learn. So if you got kids in grades three and up, they're still in the phase of learning to read, you need to make sure you, you do the work to teach them how to read because of, because of the text, not the story, which is a hot – hey, people call some stories when it's not a story. The text that they read, right, they're reading that to learn. Those articles and things that they're reading are to apply the knowledge they need, but they got to learn to read first. You can't understand theme and main idea and author's purpose if you cannot read and comprehend. If I don't know how to boil the water, I ain't going to ever be able to make spaghetti. Come on now. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, so I know we, you know, we went a little bit over the time, but like I said it's our first show back. So we wanted to go a little bit extra because, you know, we, we on that National Charter School Conference presentation energy, too. That fire. So, <laughs> Fire. Uh, but we so we got two shows this summer. We're gonna do the, the administrator as a master teacher for show, mm-hmm. and then we're gonna run it back. We got to do a show about literacy and teaching kids to read. Because I mean, like for me, reading basically, I mean, it, it's it's a civil right for me. Like if a kid came, my grandma told me, if you could read, can't nobody stop you. Man, come on. Mm-hmm. So Mary yeah. McLeod Bethune said, once I learned to read, the world opened. So right. So we got to wrap the show quick because my uh my my laptop about to die here. <laughs> <laughs> And he about to go to the pool, y'all. <laughs> right. the pool, y'all. Oh, we, we right. definitely hitting the right. pool. So we are gonna do a quick, you know, wrap wrap around. You know, what I'm saying final thoughts. So we're gonna go in the, the order we always go in. So, Dad, we gonna have you kick it off. Hey, man, I'm, it's just good to be back, man. Good to be in the space with you all. Uh, appreciate all the folks in the comments. Excited about season two. Got a lot of great things happening. Uh, hope y'all rock with us. Continue to share this video and our other videos. And man, it's it's just been great, man. I'm looking forward to uh to season two. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, first year was was amazing to connect with y'all and and grow uh, as a leader and uh, just just be part of this community. And uh, you know, just want to give some encouragement to to those that are listening out there. Uh, if you got kids at home, if you got kids in their neighborhood, make sure you read with them. Read with them. That's my that's that's, that's my takeaway. I'm getting ready to go read with my kids as soon as we finish. <laughs> there we hey, go. For me. For me, man, I'm just happy to be back in this space. Like I said, we was gone for about, what, five weeks or so. You really couldn't tell, though. Uh, but to be back with the fellas doing our thing, man, is it, super excited. You know, we took a little bit of break because the school year kind of got wrapped up for everybody. But, you know what I'm saying, taking the time to just self-care and get our minds right to get ready for season two. I'm super geek. We're going to be back in two weeks talking about the administrator as the master teacher. That's going to be the show in two weeks. Live from Cancun. So I'm going to make sure I carve out that time. Uh, that we we come live from Cancun, so make sure you check us out. And the thing we we talked about engaging and keeping kids engaged throughout the summer. So if you check us out by on Sunday, by Sunday we're gonna drop on the Twitter feed and in the Facebook feed some resources on what parents can do to keep their kids engaged so that summer loss doesn't take place. So we're gonna collaborate, put together a list of some things that you can do. I'm gonna tell you off the top. The thing I did for my daughter, you know, from the time she was in kindergarten all the way through seventh grade, was Summer Bridge books. They about twenty dollars at Barnes and Noble. I mean, it's, it's worth the investment. And then Khan Academy, I'm a huge, huge, huge pusher of Khan Academy. So, but we're going to put together a list of resources to put out there to parents by Sunday on the Twitter feed and on the Facebook page. So you have been listening to episode 21, season two. We back with a vengeance. Check us out in two weeks. The master teacher as the administrator. We out. Peace. Peace.